Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Generation Red, also known as the Husker Fan Hangout, which means you can jump on the stream with us. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, please, or in the near future, <laughs> take a look in the comments. There is a link there where you can actually join the stream. I can also repost it if you need me to. But otherwise, Scott, we're just here to hang out and talk about a few things that have happened over the last few days, namely Big Ten Media Days and some of the quote-unquote drama that surrounded Big Ten Media Days. For me, it wasn't a whole lot of drama. It was just a lot of media people wanting drama because they want Scott Frost to dance around like a fucking monkey and say the things that he they want them to want him to say. And when he doesn't, they've got to make a freaking federal case out of it. Uh, most notably, the paper with the initials OWH. That's all I need to say about that. Everybody else really didn't give six shits from Sunday about it. Most notably me, whether or not Frost made an opening statement or not. What did you think of that? I've watched it. It was uncomfortable, but you know what? What was he supposed to do? They're there. They're going to be early. They were going to go right away because the guys had to get the hell on a plane to come back for Husker fan day at the stadium and then start fall practice the next day. So I don't know what they were expecting from him. I mean, he's clearly on the hot seat. Why else would he have to take any time to make an opening statement about being on the hot seat or how he's going to be better as a coach? So he's not on the hot seat next year. I mean, the dude couldn't win no matter what he said. So he decided, fuck it. I'm not saying anything. Right. At least yep. that's my take. Yep. That's pretty much what I was thinking. I watched it and yeah, there was a little bit of an awkward silence at the beginning, but as I think you pointed out on Twitter and my initial uh, interpretation of the awkward silence was just waiting for the green light mm -hmm. from the, uh, from the media personnel telling him like, you're good to go. We've got mics, you know, they have to distribute them. They have to work with the press and all this stuff. So <laughs> there was an awkward pause and then you just went right into questions, which I mean, I don't blame the guy. Like, you've said the same things for four years in a row. You're beating right. a dead horse if you say the same thing again. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. The Omaha World Herald or any of the media media sources, no matter what he says, they're going to look at it with a microscope, and they're going to use it to yep. scrutinize him and say, you know, if he says something good, they're going to be like, oh, three and nine, you know, 2021, 20, three and nine, Scott Frost says that their team's going to be better this year. He said <laughs> that last year. You yeah. know, if he says, oh, we suck. Well, that's not a good idea. And um, and if he doesn't say anything, well, that's not a good idea either. And honestly, out of out of those three options, I would say that saying nothing is probably the most wise thing to do, because what else is there to say? There's nothing I can say that's going to make anybody happy. There's nothing I can say that's going to make anybody more comfortable or 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 confident or, you know, dismissive or name the emotional response. It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter what Frost says. So why not say nothing and just go right to the questions? Because that's what most people want to do anyway. They want to pick his brain apart. They want to ask him hard questions. They want to ask him, you know, soft questions. I don't care. Um, or yep. He doesn't care is kind of is, is his look at it. You know, like I'm just going to let the work speak for itself this year. That's what I assume his mindset was. And I'm sure Trev Alberts also instructed him like, hey, if you don't want to say anything, I've got your back. Like, yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised if Trev was like, hey, man, you can say stuff if you want. And then I bet you Frost may have said in like a closed door meeting, like, honestly, man, I don't want to say anything. 
And he's probably yeah. like, you know, honestly, dude, if that's what you want to do, I'm all for it because there's nothing you can say that's going to make anybody happy. There's nothing you're going to say that is going to alleviate uh, concerns or stress or anything. So just, yeah, let's just say nothing. See what, see what that, see what that does. And lo and behold, <laughs> what did it do? Created a shit storm anyway. It was only the biggest story of day one of Big Ten Media Days was what Frost didn't, didn't say do. what everybody <laughs> wanted him to say or what everybody speculated he should have said or I mean good heavens I mean do you want to talk about a dude that's decided to uh create his own shit storm around him because you know let's be honest he walks into his introductory press conference in 2018 and someone asks him the question about you know how are you going to adjust your system yeah. to, to fit the Big Ten? And he says, we hope the Big Ten is going to have to adjust themselves to us. You know, he put a big target on his on And his, the Big uh, Ten was like, boop, 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 okay, boop, here we go. Boop, 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 yeah. Boop, 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 and then he goes to Big Ten Media Days. And in, in one of his responses to a question in his first Big Ten Media Days was, you know, somebody asked him about wins and losses. And he was like, well, everybody better get us now because come year two. <laughs> and you know everybody picked us to win the big 10 west in year two and then we completely crapped the bed on that deal you know we get to iowa with the opportunity to at least get to a bowl game but we're damn sure we're going to win the big 10 west uh but yeah it's just the poor guy you know yeah he was he came in with a lot of piss and vinegar no if ands or buts he probably stepped in it when he made that, hopefully the Big Ten will have to adjust to us comment because I don't think he understood what it took to win in the Big Ten. And, hey, I am more than willing to admit that I didn't either. I thought, oh, yeah, bring that UCF crap down here, run circles around everybody because speed kills, right? I got that crap from a freaking USC fan during my solo live stream a couple months ago talking about how you know, Lincoln Riley was going to come in here and run circles around the Big Ten because we're all slow and stupid. And I'm like, okay, bro, whatever. We thought that too when we had Pelini and Taylor Martinez. And next thing you know, that kid's on a bum ankle for the next three years because they beat the living daylights out of him the whole time he was in the Big Ten. So I don't know what Frost was supposed to do. I, I just don't. Other than maybe he should have gone up there and just said, hey, you know what? We're here to we're here to do some business. We're here to let you guys hear what we have to say. And then we're getting on a freaking plane and we're going back and we're hanging out with our fans. Now that might've been a good thing for him to say, because he really could have said, I really don't care about you guys. I'm here to do an obligation. And then I'm going to go back and hang out with the people who actually pay my salary, not you guys. So anyway, I don't know if you got anything else on that topic or not. No, I just thought it was interesting that when he went up to the podium, in in his i guess what you would consider his opening statement which was nope let's just go right to questions he just had like a big old smirk on his face he just was like oh yeah it was almost like he he knew he knew what was about to happen he's like oh there's gonna be some journalist just (laughs) somebody's got to run around the run around the room with the microphone because there was only one dude the big 10 the the freaking conference that pays their schools over 50 million dollars a year in in revenue and it's on the big 10 network and they can only hire one fucker with a microphone only one that makes no sense why was frost standing there for 30 seconds waiting for a question it just makes no sense but anyway yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it have funny. to it doesn't have to make funny. any sense yeah nope. no i uh, the we what you pointed out i don't mean to get um 
I don't mean to get off track here, but you know, whatever. We're just chatting. No, so, go ahead. Um, this is just a hangout. It doesn't matter. Uh, I was listening to, I was listening to the Husker Cuz cast, and yeah. I believe that was it. Was it? Was it both Big Big Kurt and? Um, Oh, you're talking about the uh, don't don't be messing with the Husker Cuzcast there. That's the that's the Eyes on Big podcast, dude. No, I know, I know, but they had they had the Eyes on Big. I can't remember if they had both. both oh, of this the was guys. a while back. Yeah. Yes, that was that was earlier, and and one of the one of the fascinating conversation points that they had that I think Big Kurt asked the Cuzcast was like, "Did you guys? What did you guys think of going from the Big Twelve to the Big Ten? And the transitional period that that was, and what was your what was your like tone with that? Because from my experience being on Twitter, and this is Big Kurt speaking, he's like, from my experience on Twitter, I think that was Jeffrey, Jeffrey, was the, Jeffrey Greek, the Greek. That's what it was. Yeah, Jeffrey. Um, sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> uh, and he just was like, he was like, yeah, you know, from what I could tell from Husker fans as of late, the impression that they retroactively have initiated was that oh yeah we knew that going to the big 10 you know it was going to be tough it was going to be hard it was going to be rough and he's like but that's not what i remember seeing back when you guys joined the big 10 i remember it being like oh god like here we go we're going to go to a boring conference nothing exciting is going to happen it's going to we're just going to win and 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 dominate the big 10 and I, it was fun for me because I was listening to it and I was like, yeah, you know, that was kind of my that was kind of my thought. That was my thought going into the Big right. Ten was that it's a boring conference. Anytime I turn on football on the weekend yeah. when we were in the Big 12 is I wanted to watch Big 12 SEC or even the Pac-12. Like I never cared about I, I never cared about the Big Ten aside from Michigan and Ohio State. I just didn't know anybody like I just assumed that they were a trash conference. And so it was just a, it was just an interesting conversation point. Do you, do you remember exactly like reminisce? Do you, what were your initial thoughts when it was like, when we're, we're going to the big 10, what were your thoughts? Um, at first my, my, my initial thoughts were good God, we're going to have to travel a lot further to go to, go to some away games. That was my first thought. Uh, my second thought was, crap, Polini has finally figured out, or he figured out almost right away how to defend the Big 12 and their offenses, which were, you know, almost zero run games. So as long as you knew how to stop the run, you just had to play, you know, some decent zone defense and you could stop the, stop the pass game. And watching the Big 10, I knew there was some big dudes in front, up front. I knew they could manhandle people. And it was boring football, but it was effective. And I was hopeful, but yet at the same time, I was a little bit eh, skeptical as to whether or not we were going to be able to adapt. And then, you know, 2011, we get to the Big Ten. We do pretty good. We go, what, 4-0 to open the season, I believe. And then we get to our first Big Ten game, and we just get clocked by Russell Wilson and Wisconsin. And they, they just ran over us like a freight train. So um, I was worried. I, would, I really was worried getting to the Big Ten. And I was worried whether or not Pliny would figure out what he needed to do on defense to slow 
the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's of the world down. Now we had pretty much had our way with Iowa for the first four years in the league, which were the last four years of Pelini's tenure. He only lost once to Iowa. And we all know after the 2014 overtime win against Iowa and Sean Eichhorst, the ginger dipshit fires him the next day and stands up there and looks down his, down his nose at all the media members and tells them the reason he fired him was he had to look at where Iowa was versus where Nebraska was. And we haven't won a game since against Iowa because those guys have never forgotten that. Uh, so joining the Big yeah. Ten for me was was good for the school and in many ways bad for the football program because I don't think we figured out how to win on a consistent basis yet. I think we're pretty close to being 500 in the Big Ten since 2011. I haven't done any research on that, but I think we're right about 500 in the Big Ten. And God Almighty, you look at the Big Ten West when we joined versus the, versus the Big 12 North, we should, by all rights, be a little over 500, but we're not. So no, that's and- my thoughts on it. And and I think I'd already alluded to it earlier, but essentially my thought when we joined the Big Ten, and it was a lot of ignorance. You know, I was still, a, you know, in my early 20s, like maybe just turned 20 or something like that. Um, and and I just had this impression, like I look at, I look at the Big Ten and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you know, you've got Indiana, you've got Illinois, you've got Iowa, you've got Minnesota, Purdue. You know, you can start listing off all of these, all these teams. And at the time, you know, I'd never seen those teams necessarily compete at, you know, a top 10 level. So it was like, well we should just go in there and, and run the house, you know, like we should just, we should just dominate the big 10. Shouldn't it be that difficult? And then it was, it was very difficult. And when, when we hired frost, I remember that feeling of like, I I was humbled. I was very humbled on my impression of like what it takes to play in the big 10. And even though it was right. exciting to see what frost did at UCF, it was very exciting. I, I just wasn't going to allow myself to think like, oh, he's just going to join the Big Ten. And, and, you know, it was it was very motivating when he said like, oh, you know, I hope the Big Ten has to adjust to us. Like, you know, there's that little bit mm-hmm. of your your inner inner self that's like, hell yeah. Like, oh, yeah, let's, absolutely. Let's do that. Like, let's let's go, you know, fuck some shit up and change the whole system. Um, <laughs> but practically speaking, it's like, yeah, that doesn't just happen. Like it doesn't happen very easily. And here we are, we're going into year five with frost and the big 10 hasn't needed to adjust even the slightest. They've just basically done the same, same thing over and over and over. And frost has had to scratch Mm -hmm. his head each and every single season, trying to, trying to scrounge up wins, which have come very few and far between. And, and so at this point it's like, well, We'll see what this season brings, but that that honestly has got to be the most humbling thing for Husker Nation is that, geez, like we like back to back, you know, we thought joining the Big Ten for the most part was like, oh, come on. Like, that's this is dumb. Like, this is this should be easy. Right. Um, and then Frost joins is like, oh, come on. This is dumb. You know, the, 
we're going to kick everybody's ass. Like, why does everybody, you know, so skeptical right. about it? Um, not the analysts. Of course, the analysts were like, oh, yeah, yeah, Frost, he's going to come in and he's going to change the whole Big Ten. You know, I remember that. And it was really hard to go mm-hmm. against that grain. But, yeah. Right. It's 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 been a it's been an interesting, you know, decade plus of a experience. <laughs> I don't know. It's been it's been it's been pain, nothing but pain, but you know. Anyway, that was just a little that was a little bit of a an offshoot of what we wanted to talk about, but ah, I just thought that know. was I thought that was fun and it was fun to reminisce on on those thoughts of like what what was what were what was I thinking at the time? Well, I wasn't thinking very clearly because <laughs> God dang, like we struggled so hard. Um, and it's only, I feel like we've only continued to struggle more as we've been in the big 10, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see it, what happens this year. Yeah, exactly. We've, we've only struggled more and more. Uh, you know, <clears throat> the one thing I, I do, I do have hope for, is the fact that Frost figured out it only took him two years to figure out, maybe three, that what he was recruiting here to run his system wasn't working. And then he yeah. started getting some bigger dudes with similar speed, similar agility, but he just he he grew his his roster up. They got bigger. You know, the Wandale Robinsons, those guys are gonna get killed in the Big Ten. Uh so it's good to see him see him uh, evolve a little bit more notably. It's really good to see the fact that he understood that. Okay. My offense is damn good in the big 10 between the twenties, but it absolutely sucks. at scoring. Once you get inside the 20, unless he was hitting a 35, 40 to 50 yard touchdown play. We weren't scoring much inside the 20, especially last year uh, when it really mattered. So he goes out, he gets Mark Whipple, a guy that, has seen any and every possible defense you can see from the NFL uh, to college football. And he's brought him in to run his offense. And at at the same time, you've lost a four-year starter at quarterback. And he's now at Kansas State. And now we've got Casey Thompson. We've got Chubba Purdy. And you've got a guy that's in many many folks' minds is – forgotten about and Logan Smothers who is an incredibly talented athlete I think they're stupid if they don't figure out how to work him into the offense if he's not the starting quarterback uh but yeah we're looking at the quarterback race now and Casey Thompson at this point many of the people are saying that he's kind of the presumptive starter that it's his job to lose and one of the comments, Frost, if I recall correctly, listening to one of the podcasts this week, made the comment that Fro- that Casey's the first guy to go out there and take snaps with the number one offense, uh, leaving open kind of the idea that he's not the only quarterback that's going to run out there to take snaps with the number one offense. Do you think there's actually a quarterback race at this point? I do. I think Chuba made enough strides in spring after he got healthy to let the coaches know that he's ready to go. He's ready to compete. And Hey, Whipple recruited him. This, this wasn't a frost recruit. This was a Whipple recruit. This was a guy that Whipple wanted at Pitt, and he got him here at Nebraska. So, uh, I think there's a race and I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think we're going to know who the starter is 
at least in my opinion, I don't think we're going to know who the starter is until uh, the starter runs out on the field in Dublin. What do you think? Do you think we're going to know who that is? I honestly, I think that there is a race going on. Um, but if I were to try and like explain it, I would say that Casey is going to have to do something to lose that race more so than Chuba would have to do something to win it. Um, reason being is just cause I think that Casey's got a little bit more experience. He's a little bit more matured. Um, and it, it would be one of those things where he's probably the default starter. Like I would say it's, it's almost certain that he's the default starter, but there is a very tiny gap room for error for him to not be the starter. Um, it, it would be, I would say that he, he starts in Dublin and if it isn't going according to plan in Whipple's eyes, I would not right. be surprised if they're quick to pull him out and throw Chuba in there for a little bit. Um, Cause what we saw in the spring, once again, anecdotal, hard to really gauge what the spring game is really showing you. Um, I do think that Chuba has an insane amount of athleticism. Um, he is yep. smart, concise, from what I could tell, he is good at making decisions. And so I don't think that that Whipple is going to look at Chuba as a liability under any circumstance. So, and, and honestly, what I'm looking at it like is that Whipple is, he's not dumb. He's coming into a system that played the same guy for four years and there wasn't much behind granted. There wasn't much behind Martinez to fill that gap um, for a lot of those years. And I feel like this is the first year where we can say that even all the way down to the freshman of Henrik Harburg, like we've got some games. We got, or we got some gamers. We've got some guys that can go out and ball out. Um, and, I don't think that Whipple is going to be hesitant to pull his beloved, beloved and betrothed, you know, starter um, that I think Frost kind of had to do out of necessity, because like I said, it's not like there was an insane amount of talent or, a, a you know, a short drop off between Martinez and number two. Um, that was the situation yeah. that Frost got himself stuck in, but right. It would not surprise me if it's Casey Thompson at number one with an asterisk with underlying that, like you have to be proficient in all of these areas. And if you don't show competence and proficiency in any one of these areas consistently, right. Chubba Chubb is coming in. Um, that that's how I kind of interpret it, but that's just, I, I don't know. I don't have really much to base that off of other than just uh, other than just Mark Whipple's uh, football IQ and what we've seen from Chubba. So. Well, yeah, exactly. And you've got an interesting comment here from DS247 because I've cursed enough on this stream already. <laughs> he says Smothers may get a start. But if it's not flowing the way Frost it, Frost wants it to be, he may be swapped. 
or maybe use multiple quarterbacks, depending on the play type we are trying to do, which is an interesting thought. And my response is simple. I Whipple has always been pass first, and I think he's going to be the guy that's causing, calling most of the plays. And I truly don't think Smothers plays much at quarterback unless it's in a wildcat package inside the 20. Uh, so in this quarterback race talk, do you think that Smothers even is in the conversation or is Whipple looking more at guys like Heinrich Harburg and uh, Richard Torres to develop for the future? And maybe Frost is talking with Smothers about moving and being kind of that switchblade or that uh, not switchblade, Swiss Army knife. but uh, Swiss Army knife. Yeah, that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Because um, a switchblade only does one thing, and yeah. that's click and stab. Whereas <laughs> a Swiss Army knife can do a lot of stuff. And I think, I think Smothers has a lot of tools they can use. What do you think about Smothers in this QB race? Uh, yeah, I hate to say it because I've been a I've been a Smothers apologist for mm-hmm. well since he basically got recruited. Right. Um, I just don't think he has the tool set necessary in order to do what Mark Whipple wants yeah. to get done. Um, especially what he did in the small sample size that we got in the spring game. I was not impressed. It, it was, it was sloppy looking. Um, I hate to say it, but it was really sloppy looking. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I do agree with you. And and we've said this multiple times in previous podcasts is that, it it would be it would be one of those things where you sit down with Smothers, you know, Mark Whipple and Frost sits down with Smothers and they say, Hey, listen, you are an insane athlete and you've got a good arm. You've got a good arm for for what you are capable of doing. Um, you've got great yeah. legs though. You've got great legs, you're insanely athletic. Let's have you get some reps with the wide receivers. Let's have you get some reps uh, still as quarterback. Like let's let's make you like you said a Swiss Army knife where you can you can run in there as as a quarterback, right? But you could also run in there as a slot receiver and just confuse the living crap out of everybody. Um, and, and then motion into the backfield and take a counter play like Luke Luke uh, McCaffrey did against Ohio State and Columbus that day. Exactly. Uh, that that first drive. So, and, yeah, you get, you, you got to make defensive coordinators worry about the athletes that are on the field. And Smothers is about as athletic as anybody that's on that team as far mm-hmm. as speed is concerned. <coughs> so, Yeah, I mean, he reminds me of watching Smothers highlights back in high school. And then, right. of course, since he's been on our team, he reminds me a lot of Taylor Martinez. And just yeah. his speed, just his, his top speed, his acceleration and his top speed, both. He's got one of those rare things where he can accelerate insanely fast and he's got a really good top speed. Um, it would be one of those things where, like I said, he's sitting down in a conversation with Whipple and Frost and they say, like, right. hey, listen, there's a there was an athlete that we had in this program that he is doing at a different school what we wanted him to do before he left. And he is going to be good at that job where he's at right now. Speaking of McCaffrey, um, let's try and do that for you. And you can be really successful. We really think you can be successful mm-hmm. in this trans, this transition into a different uh, skill set. Um, I, I really truly think that's what they should do. 
Um, yep. I'm I'm an ignoramus. Yeah, I don't know shit about shit. Um, but that's I would hate to see Smothers leave to go play quarterback somewhere and have the same thing that happened to McCaffrey. He goes somewhere to play quarterback. They say you're going to sit behind our starter, and then he goes, okay, well I'm going to go play here at quarterback, and then he ends up at like University of Alabama, Birmingham. You know, like right. Um, which I mean, honestly, that'd be cool. It'd be his home state, and he'd play for the Blazers, which is a resurrected mm-hmm. program. Like, good for you, dude. Um, but you could do so much more with your skill set, your athleticism, right? If you were to just stick it out here, like, so that's a long-winded answer to say no. I don't think he's a factor in quarterback. <laughs> well, I appreciate your candor. <laughs> oh man, long way to go to say, ah, oh, hell no, he's not going to be a QB. But you know what? I, as I said, I think he's. I think they're probably putting in some wildcat stuff for him um, just inside the 20. See him run out there with another quarterback. Then they motion him into the quarterback spot. Maybe he does some zone read stuff or some RPO stuff or whatever. But uh, um, yeah, interesting. That was an interesting discussion. Let's jump to running back. The running back room uh, headed up by a Brian, Mr. Brian Applewhite, who has been, quite good at developing guys uh he got the guy that he really wanted in anthony grant and a lot of people think that anthony grant's going to run out run out on the field in dublin and be the starter i don't know because ramir was just so doggone effective for the last half of the season last year um what do you think do you think we're going to see a running back by committee approach just like we did last year and all the years under Ryan held, or is Brian Applewhite going to be a dude that really wants to find that bell cow, that guy that can go 25 to 30 carries a game? What do you think? Um, so I tried, I really did. I spent like an hour earlier, really trying to dig into Brian Applewhite and his coaching philosophy in the running backs room. And it's very, uh, I want to say inconsistent because that sounds negative, um, but it's hard to predict um, from what I could tell. And I really didn't know how to interpret it. Um, there were mm-hmm. there were times at TCU where he he always had a constant rotation of guys. But then there was a few moments where he had his bell cow and uh, it was very he was very situational. Uh, and so what what is he going to do at Nebraska? I hope he picks a bell cow. Um, but the way that I interpret our running back room, I don't think that a bell cow is, I, I don't think that it's, it's necessarily plausible. If it were a bell cow situation, it would be some sort of like, I mean, I, I do think that, um, that Anthony Grant's going to take the majority of the snaps. Like, that's what I think. Uh, okay. so would that be a bell cow? Sure. Um, but I do think that we'll have Yant and we'll have Ramir Johnson and we'll have Gabe Irvin. They will be, if, if there would be a rotation, it would be those three behind Anthony Grant, which would be a bell cow. But I don't think that Anthony Grant is just going to be the guy all the time. And then right. we take these other three and put them into situations like every once in a while. Like, no, I, I, what I would want to see is one guy for mm-hmm. 70% of the snaps. That's what I would want to see. Me too. Um, 
But with the amount of athleticism, it's arguable with the amount of athleticism um, that we've got in a running back room, especially with, you know, Marquise Buford Jr. saying on corn craze, uh, his live stream that he did with him saying that the running back room is insanely deep and they're athletic and they're dogs. And they are, he's like, they are the most improved uh, room on the offense. That makes me more inclined to think that Brian Applewhite is going to have a running back by committee type of situation. And, and maybe it's just recency bias that it, it we've just seen running back room by committee. Like that's what we've seen for the majority of the last four years. And so why would that necessarily change? I mean, we, with, we've got a new running backs coach. Sure. Yeah. Um, but like what, I don't know if he's, if, I mean, a good coach isn't predictable. So <laughs> like, why would I assume that I can predict Brian Applewhite's plan? Um, I'm more inclined to think that it will still be a running back by committee, but with Anthony Grant taking the higher percentage of snaps. So what do you think that is? 55 to 60%, 65 or over? What do you think? I think it would be like 45% with 55% split between the other three. Um, so he wouldn't take the majority. He wouldn't take the overall majority, but he would take the majority between four guys. Um, okay. Cause yeah, and those four guys are what Grant, Yant, um, Johnson and Irvin. Yep. Yep. Those That's are kind of where I land too. I, I, I think Irvin was getting ready to take off last year. I think that that spot where he cut and he was going to hit that hole against Oklahoma, that was a wide open hole. He was good to go for minimum 20 yards on that play if he doesn't blow out his knee. And I think he was really getting ready to take off. I don't think you throw that talent and sit it on a shelf for a couple of years. I think you need to use it. So Grant, for me, is number one. I think he runs out there just like you said on the first snap in Dublin. I think you were kind of uh, had kind of what a lot of people have said on podcasts over the last few weeks uh, from way back when we did our offensive uh, podcast with the Husker Cuscast. I think you were the one that said you thought Ramirez Johnson was going to move into more of a slot role, more of a Swiss Army knife role, kind of like what we think Logan Smothers is going to be. Uh, I don't see a lot of Ramir Johnson lining up in the backfield. He may line up in the backfield to begin a formation, but I think he motions out a lot more often than he used to. And then I think Gabe Irvin is that next guy in with the ant coming in to be kind of that thumper inside the 20 in that wildcat package when Logan Smothers is in there, because do you want to tackle lightning or do you want to tackle thunder? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. so that's kind of where I see it. Yeah. That's any other I, thoughts on that? No, I think the, I think the perfect, uh, I think you kind of segued into, uh, well, I want to say segue cause we're still going to stay on the same topic, but, um, <laughs> with, with Ramir Johnson, like, it's not that I don't like the guy. It's not that it's not mm-hmm. that I don't think he's a good running back. I just think that if you stack him up in comp- in comparison to the other three athletes that we just labeled off, such as Jacques Yant and Anthony Grant and um, Gabe Irvin, you know, he's 
I, 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 I don't think Gabe Irvin's much bigger than, um, much bigger than Ramir Johnson, maybe like 10, 15 pounds more, but still bigger. Um, it, what you just said, I think that Ramir Johnson is going to be a key role on our offense, but I, but it's not going to be the bell cow. Um, he's just, he's, he's, Right. He has a particular set of skills that the Big <laughs> Ten is good at stopping after a certain amount of repetition. Um, you know, like if we just keep lining him up in the backfield, he's I just, you know, people know how to dial that up. Um, and I, what I see from him, like you said, I, I see a specialist role where he lines up in the backfield with Grant or with Yant, you know, whichever one, Irvin, whoever. And then he motions to the slot. Quarterback is able to read, you know, the read the uh, the linebackers, see where they shift and move. And then it wouldn't surprise me if he like he motions on the snap, right? And then takes a takes a, a sweep, you know, like that would be that would be his bread and butter because um, he's just insanely fast. But yeah, you know, I just don't, and I, I it breaks my heart because Ramir Johnson is he's poured a lot of time and energy in this program. Like he's been here for a while and he was one of those guys that I remember. I, I think it was when we first started this podcast and we were doing the preseason yeah. last year, he was one of those guys that I thought, and I, I feel like I said it out on, on the podcast is that I'm, I'm thinking at that point, I'm like, he's, he's going to be transferring. Like I, I, I see him as a transfer prospect and he hasn't, he's stuck it out. He's been here the whole time. Like this guy yep. is, he, he has taken Just like it. Logan has. Yep. Yeah. They are committed. And, and so I think that if, if he's that committed, that means he's mm-hmm. confident. And if he's confident, that means that his coaches are coaching confidence in him. So they obviously have a plan for him. It's just not the bell cow. And I'm really excited to see what that means. Yep. I agree. I completely agree. Well, let's transition for a little bit to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Garrett Nelson uh, had quite the showing at the Big Ten Media Days, which we'll get to one of the comments he made at Big Ten Media Days that not too many people are covering, but we're going to. Yep. Uh, but before we get to that, I need to ask a question, and that's this. Nelson or Mathis, who has more sacks in 2022? Because Mathis was not exactly a world beater in 2021 because the Big 12 figured out, this dude can wreck a freaking game, so we got to make sure he doesn't get anything done like he did back in 2020. Because uh, I think he only had, what, two sacks, maybe four tackles for a loss in 2021 uh, because I think he was double teamed most of the year. Um so who do you think? Who do you think gets more sacks in 2022? Because I think both Garrett and O'Shawn are going to get a lot of attention from offensive coordinators in uh, the Big Ten. So who do you think? Well, well, I'm a homer, and so I want to say, <laughs> you know, Garrett Nelson. Um, but, I mean, yep. a lot of people are high on on Mathis. I, a lot of analysts and a lot of experts are like, he's he's – He's a dog, you know, he's going to show mm-hmm. up and 
And it's not that he's gonna, you know, you know, rip the wheels off of the Big Ten and just go in there and be a, you know, an award winner of some sort. But serviceable, you should be serviceable. Um, and that's, you know, being very conservative and saying that. Um, I just, I just don't know. I think that. Um, well, I do know. What I do know is that that uh garrett nelson is just a freaking freak like he's a freak of nature um Mm -hmm. just an absolute crazy guy with with a cannon that he's just ready to shoot off at any given moment um and he's a competitive dude and i think oshawn mathis is a really really competitive dude and so it would not Mm -hmm. surprise me if they finished the year with the same amount of sacks like it it would be Cause they would be competing for sacks at, at mm-hmm. if there's a, if there's some, if there's a scenario that I see most likely between this, like with this, this question, who has more sacks, Nelson or Mathis, um, they're both going to be fighting for that. And it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if they both finished the year with yeah. eight sacks apiece. like, and then, and then they're, you know, just like, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, like we, you know, it's, he he should have gotten more. Oh no, he should have gotten more. But you know, they're just competitive and mm-hmm. uh, and good sports. And so I I'm gonna honestly say that I'm gonna go with the split. I'm gonna say that they both get the same amount of sacks, like same number, whatever it is. Don't know how many. Right. But it would not. It would it like quote me on this, you know, reminisce <laughs> on it back in, you know, when we finished the season, you'd be like, Oh shit, Scott was right. They both finished with seven sacks on the season. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was like an even more odd number where it's like, they both got half sacks. So they finished with like seven and a half a piece or something like that. Where they right. both like, right. And they, then they, and they combined on sack. half of those. Yeah. 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 Yeah, meet at the quarterback, which is what Wistrom and Tomich used to do back in the day. Um, Here's, 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 I think you're right. I I do kind of see a scenario where Nelson and Mathis split on the number of of sacks that they have. But I also see a scenario where somebody not named Nelson or Mathis has more sacks than they do. Hmm. Because I think offensive coordinators are going, good God in heaven. I've got an all big 12 player on one side of the line, an all big 10 player potentially on the other side of the line. I got to make sure those guys are taken care of. And then Shenander, you know, damn good and well. Oh, yeah. He's got packages out there for Nelson, Mathis, and Tanner. Because Tanner's been. Can't forget about Tanner. Yeah. He's going to be playing behind those two guys. In in that linebacker spot on that four three defense, and I could see I could see Nelson and Mathis both getting seven eight sacks in the year, both of them, and having somebody like Tanner drop drop nine. Yep, just in, in he's third just, down he's situations going. or second down situations where we expect somebody to run, but we got all three of those those guys out there, and they decide to do play action, and Tanner just goes and lights somebody up, you know, so. That's kind of where I think. What do you think? No, that- I can I I completely agree. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to. Uh, well, hell, know. we haven't even talked talked about Reimer and Henrik yet. 
No, and that's well, I that those were the two things I was gonna say after you'd finished speaking was like, well, can't forget <laughs> about Caleb Tanner because he's right. just he's a dog like anybody else. And I think that yeah. I think last year was a very, very good learning situation for him that yep. just play the game. Don't be all showboaty. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, mouth, mouth off. Like I hope to God that he gets his head on straight and he doesn't make those mental mistakes mm-hmm. and internalizes that anger and frustration and right. gives himself that half a, half a step more. And I think that Caleb <laughs> Tanner is going to be a weapon for us. Yeah, I um, do too. But yeah, and then you can't forget about Heinrich and uh and, and or Henrik and uh and Reimer. Like mm-hmm. there's gonna be some packages that Shenander is gonna gonna conjure up and and we're gonna just bring the whole we're gonna bring the whole squad. And dude, I just mm-hmm. I the more I've thought about it this offseason, the more I realized that even with the guys that we lost last year, I mentioned this when we talked to the Cuscast cast a few weeks ago. I think that there is a way higher possibility that we take a step forward as a defense than we do have a possibility of staying the same or getting worse. Like, I think that there's more of a possibility that we get better than we do get worse or stay the same. I know I just said the same thing twice, but that I just had to reiterate it. I had to reiterate it. That's my hot take is that because it's important. I think think our defense is going to be really good this year. Yes, we've got some questions too. in the secondary. Yes, we've got some questions on the line. But I'm I'm pretty confident in in our defensive staff that they aren't going to allow any of those rooms to take a mm-hmm. step back at all. I just don't I, I just don't see it. I don't have a whole lot of questions on the line as far as the edge rushers are <laughs> concerned because I think there's a whole lot of people who want to hang out and oh lord almighty DS247. He's hung out with I'm, us I'm before. Not We're not driving right now. No You're not driving right driving. now. No one's seeing. You're not driving right now. Nope. You know what, Scott? He's not driving right now. He told us. He's, so it's all good. He's not driving. He identifies he, as a not driving individual. <laughs> he's still a uh, DS247. I, I, I want you guys to keep your pronouns correct here. I'm not driving. Yeah. Pronouns are stationary <laughs> slash not moving. Absolutely. <laughs> enjoying the outside i'm not, i'm in the outdoors you know enjoying life from the how inside you do, of how you doing yeah oh, what's up luke know, not a whole lot not a whole lot i got tired of trying to type too much and then worry about characters because you know not driving and typing is because he's dangerous. not driving while he's typing yeah yes he only typed 17 paragraphs over the last yeah. hour i mean voice voice chat i really hope you said <laughs> smarter things than i did <laughs> not really but that's okay well no actually voice chat did say smarter things than you did um but you know we're in the clear yeah we're we in, the clear, in the clear bro we're in clear um we didn't really have any off- offensive line defensive line questions for this show luke but we can address that now because yeah. i think that's important uh not to change the topic but do you think the O-line, D-line will be able to hold blocks for all the passing? Well, D-line doesn't have to hold blocks for the passing. They have to blow up blocks for the passing. But, hey, you know. Hey, that's what the rest of my question said. Don't, don't, don't paraphrase me now. <laughs> and, and, uh, don't don't let me live to... up to my name, all right? 
<laughs> well, you did put that name out there, bro. You did I, put I, that name out there. It's um, account, and we're keeping it, it strong. That's right. And <laughs> and if anybody doesn't know who this doofus is, uh, it's the guy that hung out with us on Gen Red Pod a month or two ago, or no, three months ago now, isn't it, Scott? Yeah. After yeah, the was, spring game. Yep. Um, and he'll hang out with us again because he's going to come back and hang out with us to uh, preview and review a game during the season, Luke. So okay, just I'm waiting that. for you to tell me which one we're going to because I, I can't even get my own father excited about going to the game. So, I mean, heck, I might as well bandwagon with y'all. Well, Ooh, you know. We might have to work something out for that because yeah, I mean, we I'm might. totally going to argue about it until it happens. That is perfectly There's fine. There's no argument on our end, dude. I'm already looking at a few games. And yeah, so, yeah, I didn't know yeah. if I wanted to try getting that two hundred dollar game bundle or whatever they had for the four Big Ten games because I wasn't really willing to pay two seventy to go to Georgia Southern and some other team and just to go to the Oklahoma game. So I was yeah, looking for yeah. the Big Ten two hundred bundle. No, that doesn't sound bad at all. Yeah, I was looking. I was looking at those, and I had already gotten uh, Georgia Southern tickets that I'm going with uh, my wife, my dad, and my mom um, for a tailgate that we're doing with another podcast. Um, it's going to be fun. And then I'm going to be getting right. OU tickets for me and me and my dad. Um, but then there's a few games throughout the season. Um, I think Illinois and uh, Minnesota, I believe, are the ones that I'm kind of eyeballing right now. Um, I don't I, I'd love I feel to like to a Minnesota game. I'd I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even mind. Yeah, that None, none of the games that the Big Ten games that we're playing sound like they're going to be bad games because I've drank in way too much Kool-Aid to have anything, any near say <laughs> is going to ruin my time. Uh, so you're telling me that this is you, Luke. I need you to look at your phone right now. And this oh, is so, this is you. This is you. this is you. This is you. Is that you? Put an N on my chest and sponsor me by sugar. That's me. That was, I mean, that's, that was me maybe a couple months ago. I've, I've hit the gym lately, but you know. Oh. Yeah. I think he, well, he, I mean, I think he's I, all, he, th- I think he's all in, Scott. All, he's all in. in. All yeah. in. I like that one. Hashtag all in. Did he say that when he was bending over in the shower? But anyway. Um, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> at the gym. At the gym. Yeah, he's all about gym. Jim, as in J I M. That's his boyfriend. Oh, you um, know, Luke, I'm actually really impressed that you must have like a green screen surrounding your car right now, because I do see moving objects in the window, and so you see, must have had like a whole studio about. setup. It, that's just, what like, took I, you forever to get here. My, my button's had to too far away. Screen. I'd be I'd push it so I could be in space, but my button's just too far away right now. <laughs> right now, I'm on a safari jungle hunt. Ah, I just got yes. done watching Maverick, so I, the glasses came with the movie, and then yeah, I just went to the movie. Jungle Safari Hunt. Oh, it's a great movie! Great movie, oh, it's best good, movie it's I've seen in one. years. So good, so good, so good. Anyway, yeah, let's because we don't want anybody watching to listen to us talk about the games we're going to. Let's go back to what you asked about the offensive and defensive lines, Luke. Um. <clears throat> I think Whipple's offense, if I understand it correctly, puts an emphasis on getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands as quickly as possible. And based on the way our offensive line performed last year, holy shit, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> because, you know, poor poor Adrian 
ran his freaking tail off trying to get out of trouble. And I don't think Casey's the kind of quarterback he can run, but I don't think he's Adrian Martinez good at running the ball. So, so with a brand new offensive line coach, which we know nothing about when it comes to how good he can set up an offensive line room, being the head coach of the offensive line, it's a question mark at best for me. It's a question yeah. mark. Um, yeah. How about you, Scott? What do you think on the offensive yeah. line? Yeah, I'll just pretty much echo exactly what you said. It is a big question mark with a with an, a, in, in I want to say an inexperienced, but a lack of rapport offensive mm-hmm. line coach that this is his first big gig. Like this is his first real off, like dedicated offensive lines coach job mm-hmm. in college football first you know division one like this is this is his first gig um i believe that he was the dedicated offensive lines coach for an nfl team for a season or two um or actually i think he was just an assistant i actually don't remember but our offensive line is very questionable um our defensive line has questions but i don't think that it's as questionable just because yeah, we do I feel like our have, defense will give us many more answers. Yes. Our our defensive lines coach mm-hmm. is is proven. He knows what he's doing. Um and we've got some dogs that we just got in with uh yeah. with the guy from Alabama and you know a few more a few more pieces that we're able to plug into that. Um so it's it's really the offensive line that is really questionable. And, and it's like like Dad said. At best, it's a question mark. And fingers yep. crossed that we don't take a huge step back. We're hoping to take a step forward, but knowing well, our hmm. recent history, it's I don't know. I don't know what it's what it's going to be. Well, it looks like Prohaska is going to start at left tackle. Corcoran is going to start at right tackle, and Ben Hart's going to move in to or no, Corcoran's going to move into right guard. And Ben Hart's going to move uh, be out there at right tackle with Hicks in its center. Who the hell is going to play left guard? Because that was supposed to be Nordin Newelli until he decided to uh, go all Barry Bonds on everybody. So um, <clears throat> you guys probably wouldn't know that reference, but that's a PED reference. Um, so is it, is it going to be – yeah, is it going to be – um, Brent Banks, who's going to play that left guard spot? That's to me huge because, because you know, Prohaska has got to protect his quarterback's backside because none of our quarterbacks throw from the left side. So he's got to be the dude that makes sure <clears throat> his quarterback's tail is covered. And that left guard's got to be really good about picking off whoever the tackle doesn't. And that was supposed to be New Willie. And that dude was a brawler. So I don't know. Is it Kevin Williams? Is it uh, Stefan or not Stefan wins on defense? God help me. Please forgive me for confusing the two. Hunter um, Anthony. Hunter Anthony. That's the other one that's I was a, thinking That's another of. one. Um, or is it somebody else that was recruited the last three years that everybody thought was going to be a badass? Um, so... That is interesting. It's an it's an interesting discussion for sure. Do you have any thoughts on that, Scott? 
No, you pretty much you pretty much covered it. Um, we've got some guys that we can potentially plug in there, but it's, I mean, just broken record. You know, it's like we had some guys right. that we had an ability to plug in last year, and it didn't mm-hmm. work out very well. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You named <clears> off <throat> all the guys yep. and the yeah. the structure. At the very least, I hope we take a very, very small step forward. Just I want to see a little bit of improvement. I just don't want to see us take a step back. But I would say that mm-hmm. it's it's sure. a potential. It's a good potential that we take a step back, and that just means that we're going to be in for way more pain on offense this year than than <laughs> we're even ready for. Yeah, but maybe, just maybe, we've got – somebody in that quarterback room that can finish a game because we haven't seen that for four years. Nope. And I, I hate to say that, but it's true. Let's get back to the uh, Nelson and Mathis question. Nelson or Mathis, who has more sacks? I put it out on, out there on Twitter back at about 1030 this morning. And uh, as of about an hour ago, this was the response. 59% of 41 votes said that Garrett Nelson was going to have more sacks than O'Shawn Mathis, which that rocks right in there. And that 10 sacks for Garrett, eight sacks for O'Shawn um, realm, which, damn it, I would take that. Why? Because when we have 22 sacks on the season last year as a team, you know, give me 18 from the two defensive ends and give me seven or eight from everywhere else. And I'd say we have a better defense, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. I think that them, because I mean, just that averages it out to, you know, about two and three quarter sacks a game, you know, make yep. that three or four and in, in some easier games and one or two and some harder games. And, you know, yeah. that just puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And, and to get on to pressure is like, if, if we are increasing our sack amount, that means that we are increasing our presence in the offensive backfield. Yep. And so we're creating a lot more pressure points and we are putting a lot more stress on their quarterback. And, and we're really, really upping the ante for the opposing yep. offense. And Absolutely. just from a psychological level, if, if we, if we are doing that kind of an improvement on our quarterback pressure, we're going to see right. a lot more mistakes that we can capitalize off of. And I mean, nothing would make me happier than to see more of these offenses that seem to pick us apart more than they should really be put back on their heels a lot more. Um, that's and have what I to think. run the ball right at Luke and Nick. I'd yep. rather they have to run the ball at Luke and Nick. Exactly. Than- drop back yep absolutely absolutely so speaking of garrett nelson while he Hmm. was at um yeah i know it's getting late and i'm sorry to keep you up so late old man (laughs) you talking uh yeah no you 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 were yawning yeah upstairs he's already asleep i can hear him snoring from down here Um, my 13 year old dog, everybody, um, Garrett Nelson mentioned a story at, um, 
Big Ten media days about a professor last year during the season who um, wasn't exactly friendly toward the Husker football team. And Garrett mentioned it at uh, Big Big Ten media days because he said it was something that fueled him. So we'll take a look here as to what uh, Garrett said. Uh, It was reported by Saturday Tradition on the 28th of June, 2022. Uh, During Big Ten Media Days, linebacker Garrett Nelson had a rather interesting example of just that involving former Huskers quarterback Adrian Martinez, now at Kansas State. According to the Lincoln Journal stars Amy Just, one instance, according to Nelson, was in a class with 10 players where the professor threw up a trivia question that equaled to how many more incompletions can Adrian Martinez throw until he gets cut. Apparently, Martinez was there, meaning in the class. It's one thing to face criticism from the media, but it's quite another to see your teammate trolled by a professor in front of his classmates in that fashion. Nelson is using the criticism as fuel to help turn the Huskers' fortunes, though. When you have a professor's and students or campus tour guides talk trash to you or your teammates all the time when you're just around campus, just the media and everybody, just to hear that constantly berate your university that you love and the players that you love and the coaches who are father figures who you love and are around, well... That chip is on your shoulder every day. I don't know about you, dude, but shit like that drives me nuts. Because players do not deserve to be crapped on by professors who, quite frankly, can't be fired. Uh, Trev Albert said it at Big Ten Media Days. Uh, Athletic departments are not on tenure. They have to win. But professors are, meaning they can't be fired unless they do something really crappy, like, you know, sleep with a student or something like that. So this was really bad. In my opinion, this was something that a professor has no business saying in a class without the freaking quarterback he's talking about present, much less with the quarterback present. And according to Garrett, Adrian was in that class. So I don't think Garrett is going to be playing with the chip on his shoulder just for the N on the side of his helmet. I think he's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder with an AM uh, in the back of his mind. What do you think? No, I think you're 100% spot on with that. Um, It's like, yeah, you know, you're trying to lighten up the mood. You're trying to get clearly a, a... an alum, not an alumni, but like a student, a student <laughs> body that is clearly encultured to be, you know, Husker fans and whatnot. And so being in a class, you can assume that at least half of the students in the class, like actually pay attention to Husker mm-hmm. football. And even the ones that don't, they, they understand the rhetoric and the, and the cliches surrounding Adrian Martinez. And so honestly, it's just a, it was just a cheap shot. It was just a cheap classless shot taken at a guy who was already down and out and just, 
you know, Adrian is just such a, an upstanding guy, just a dude that's just filled with class. And it doesn't actually surprise me that we haven't heard this story until Garrett spoke up about it. Um, right. Because that is honestly, if there's any takeaway I can take from this, this, this situation is that it really shows how much class our football team has. Cause if there was 10 guys there and this is the first we've heard of it, that means right. that they <clears throat> took that shit home and they just put it on the shelf. Yep. And that shows a world of class with those guys. And the fact that Garrett Nelson, probably the dude who I would say has the most class out of any guy on our team. Um, brought it up, brought it up. Yep. I mean, you could just, you, you could tell that it was like, yeah, you it know, here's him. a situation. Here's a situation that really that irks me, grinds my gears. Um, and yeah, middle <laughs> finger to you, Professor So and So. Like, suck my dick. Um, yeah. And yeah, so you know, poor guy. You know, I will always hold. Uh, I will always hold a special place in my heart for Martinez. Me too. Uh, like, especially like I. It sounds like a slight, but especially off the field. Like he was just one of those guys that knew how to deal with the press. He knew mm -hmm. how to deal with PR. He knew how to deal with the stress and all that and all that. And so this is just another situation where it's like, dang, he, he handled that really well based on the fact that we haven't heard about it until now. Absolutely. Um, I completely agree. I just hate it that, somebody in a professorial role would be able to think that it was cool to say that in a class with the dude present. It just makes no sense to me uh, how you think that's cool to do to a kid who's there to learn how in the hell as an educator, do you think that's educational to fucking shit on a kid sitting in your class? Yep. Period. That just makes no damn sense to me. Unless, of course, he knows he can't get fired and he doesn't care because he's an academia member. And it's all good if you're in academia. You can crap on anybody you want, even people in your class, because you're academia. And that just pisses me off to no end. Um, Boils the blood. Yep. Absolutely. You know what, folks? I think we have covered everything we need to cover now. At this point, I appreciate y'all watching. I appreciate everybody who's hung out with us tonight, not just uh, on YouTube, but DS247 hanging out and not driving in his car when he did. He's awesome. We love Luke. Uh, Luke's a good dude. He's going to hang out with us again sometime after one of the games that uh, Nebraska plays this year. August 7th is our first countdown to kickoff episode where we're going to hang out with Dustin Schutte from The Outsider, formerly from Saturday Tradition. And maybe that's why he left Saturday Tradition was because of that story we shared earlier <laughs> about Garrett Nelson. But that was after he left. I'm, not, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, <laughs> but he's hanging out with us on uh, August 7th, and we're going to kind of take a look at the first four games on the schedule, and all three of us are going to predict the uh, 
the record after those four games, which would be Northwestern, um, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, and Oklahoma. So Dustin gets to hang out with us to talk about Oklahoma. And then we're going to look at uh, the next four games the next week with Abby and Meg from uh, Twitter on August 14th and then on August 21st. Who the hell's going to come on with us on August 21st? I don't remember. Do you? Uh, shoot. Hey, I got the schedule right here. Give me a second. Looks like we've got... Oh, yeah, your buddy from Alabama. Oh, God. Sorry, Michael. Please don't hate me. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to hang out with us and preview the, the last four games of the year, give us his picks for the first eight games of the year. So uh, that should be fun. And um, if you want to follow us, we are on Twitter at GenRedPod, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And for our audio podcast, which will drop tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., you can find that at Generation Red on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on. So we may be rebranding that in the near future. But as long as you're subscribed to Generation Red on your favorite podcast app, whatever we rebrand, it should uh, show up on your feed. So anyway, this was fun, Scott. I'm glad we did this tonight. I needed to do this tonight because there's been a lot of shit happening in Husker Nation that I've been listening to for the last 10 days while I've been on vacation and I couldn't say shit about it. So here we here are. Here we are. Talking shit, right? Yep. <laughs> which, is, which is what we do. That's what a podcast is. A bunch of people sitting around talking shit. <laughs> because it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. What matters is what happens on the field. And God dog it, I think this year, what happens on the field is going to be a little bit better. Maybe not a lot bit better, but a little bit better. A little bit better. Yep, I think it'll be a little bit better. All right. Anyway, folks, thanks so much for watching. We appreciate it. And remember, no matter what podcast on this network you're watching, Iowa's corn still sucks. Jeffrey the Greek, you know this to be true, but uh, there's no place like Nebraska. Right, bud? Yep. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.